0: to the Autumn Ridge Women's Podcast and our study of this beautiful book of Ruth. I'm Svea Mary, and here with me today is Heather Henderson to talk through a really interesting chapter of this story. Welcome,
1: Heather. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You know, Svea, we've talked about how this book of Ruth is not a love story, but I'm excited because This chapter is a little bit like a love story. Like, there's some really great things that we get to pull out of this chapter, not only about Ruth and Boaz, which is the more obvious. Love story, if there would be one, but mm-hmm. the underlying story of Ruth's love for Naomi, yeah, um, and how that commitment seems to go through all of these things that she does. Um, so I'm I'm super excited to be here for this chapter.
0: That's great, and it's I love what you just said too, because if people only have a casual reading of Ruth mm-hmm. and and especially this chapter, this is the chapter that people kind of point to as, ooh, it's a little bit of a scandalous, scandalous. yeah, yeah. A kind of odd chapter, and so the fact that you're talking about how we're going to see the love between Ruth and Naomi. Yeah. Maybe somewhat unexpected. So this is going to be fun. I'm to, excited, yeah. To dive into this. Um Let's just do a little quick recap of where we are at this point in the mm-hmm. story. As as with the previous weeks, we're not going to read through all of Ruth chapter 3. So if you haven't yet read the story, um, we'd encourage you maybe to pause the audio and grab your Bible and, and read through this chapter so that you're familiar. Um, but just to kind of bring us up to speed so we're all on the same page. Uh, we met these women, Ruth and Naomi, back in chapter 1 when it just seemed like tragedy yeah. was all around was these poor really gals. Really sad, bleak. Outlook. It, it was. When we met them. Yeah, they started off in their story where there was famine in the land. And so Naomi left Bethlehem with her husband and sons and traveled to Moab to try to fend for themselves. But then grief just multiplied yeah. for, for her when her husband died. And then her sons died, leaving her with these two relatively new daughters in law from this foreign land that they were living in. Yeah, and essentially no hope for a future at this point. All hope is lost. No way for them to provide for themselves in that culture. Mm -hmm. No son to take care of them. No other immediate family members, especially in this foreign land where they were living. So Naomi gets to this point of saying, we have to go back. It's our only chance. But tells the daughters-in-law, there's really no future for you back in Bethlehem. You should just go back to your parents' home, (laughs) whatever you can do to start your life over again. Uh And one of the girls does that, and we can't fault her for that. That was a logical decision she made. But Ruth does this surprising, unexpected thing and just commits herself. She pledges herself for life to Naomi and to Naomi's family and says,
1: your people will be your people, your God, my God. It's really amazing, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about it. And I wonder about the why, what on earth could have happened in their relationship that mm-hmm. would cause her to say, no way, I'm not going to go back to my family of origin. I'm going to step with you into the unknown. Yeah, um, Which makes me think of maybe a bigger story of maybe Ruth having that relationship with the true God.
0: Yes, Absolutely. We talked about it in the previous two weeks about somehow Naomi shared the truth about Mm -hmm. God with Ruth and Ruth took that in. And we see Ruth um,
1: demonstrating clear confidence in in God. Right. Really identifying with with the culture that Naomi is from. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So chapter two gave us a lot of happy uh, developments, a lot of solutions to the problems that were set up in chapter one. But it still ended with a little bit of a, a hook at the end of chapter two. Yeah. We, we've talked about how this book is just incredibly great literature, yes. and uh, and how like great literature, each chapter is ended with a little bit of a surprise hook that makes us keep on a reading. And and uh, and chapter two ended with a
1: problem. Right. So the problem here is we read right at the very end of chapter two that Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's field and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. So that's the end, right? Mm -hmm. We have, that's how Naomi and Ruth at this time are making a living. They're, they're gleaning from the leftovers to support themselves. Scavenging free food. Exactly. And so now it's over. Yep. So what now, you know? Their source is dried up. Uh-huh. This is their this was their and Boaz, you know, he was serving as kind of a protector for Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um in that he made sure no one touched her while she was working and he even provided additional provisions for her. Yeah. Um and so now with the end of this harvest coming, they have to be a little concerned about what's coming next.
0: Oh, they do, and I have such empathy for these women where they i can't imagine the state of turmoil that that would be to not know where your next meal might come from right they didn't have a safe home to be living in um something that was very pertinent in their culture that we might not appreciate in our day and age is that widows couldn't inherit land Mm -hmm. so naomi's husband had land in the bethlehem area um we don't know if he was well-off or, or anything about that background, but we know he had some land. But land in that culture was completely tied up with uh, your, your portion, so to speak, of God's promised land. It right. was like your your stake of God's blessings that he had promised to his people, and it had to stay within the family line. Right. So when someone died, land would pass from father to son, or even it wasn't completely against women; it could actually pass to a daughter
1: as well. But it wouldn't pass to a widow. Not to the widow. So yeah. that's, I mean, I mean, that's just another way to, I mean, really, to show how show how dire how this desperate is. <laughs> these poor yeah, we're women really were really
0: at the end. Um, yeah, they really were in, in trouble that way. And so the solution that would apply in this case when there was no son or no daughter to inherit the land they wanted to keep it still within the family so again something that we might not relate to in our current culture but they had this this family system called the kinsman redeemer. Mm-hmm. And it's something that uh, is, tie, is very much associated with the book of Ruth. This is talking about the kinsman redeemer. And a kinsman redeemer was basically like a designated family member who would step in to act as a legal representative for the family member that had died. He would redeem the land literally he would either buy it back if it was in debt or if there were obligations that were associated with this land Uh, he would care for the widow yeah that would be part of that family it's a huge responsibility it was. It wasn't just like a free inheritance. No. Like a, a windfall no, of land. No, you're taking on all of this. You're basically managing, yeah, all of the responsibilities and obligations associated with mm-hmm. someone's estate, which might not have been a profitable thing. Right, because this it, is
1: on behalf of someone else, right? Mm-hmm. So and if this takes place, mm-hmm. the, the um, this child or the son of whomever he's redeeming would be the ultimate inheritor. Exactly because like we'd
0: said before land had to stay within the original family. Right. And so this this redeemer uh, would would not be able to keep this land himself forever mm-hmm. but would be expected to pass it on to any family member. So here's this kind of interesting dimension that comes into here because a kinsman redeemer would not just inherit this land but would be encouraged to take any widow as his own wife and to have a child with her so that that child could then be the member of the family line that would carry on this family and and ultimately be the one to inherit that land and keep the family going. Yeah, I can't
1: help... But think of the parallel of Christ. Like Mm. I'm seeing this this theme of a kinsman redeemer Mm. and and how beautifully it's setting us up for what's going to happen with Jesus in the future. But it's like these little glimpses of hope. Yes. To come. Yes. Um that's it always gets me super excited when I read about a kinsman redeemer. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be Jesus.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, there's no mistake that we call Jesus our great Redeemer mm-hmm. sometimes. That's a very apt description and and maybe a fun thing for us to keep in mind as we talk through chapter three. So let's do that. Let's talk yes. through chapter three. So so we've kind of set up this problem that Naomi and Ruth still had, and now this this plan. Right. There's a possibility of hope through Naomi has a plan through a kinsman <laughs> redeemer and we find out in chapter 2 and 3 that <laughs> Boaz is a qualified kinsman redeemer.
1: Yeah, she says he is a close relative right there, which I think is interesting because it's not he is the one, he's mm-hmm. a. He's yeah. a consideration. Um and we don't know how many other Family members, there could have been that would have qualified. Yeah. Um, We learn later that there's one other. Yeah. Um, Who's even closer. Who's even closer. Um, But this is the one that she has identified in her scheming as as the best candidate. Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, and what we saw of this man Boaz in chapter two would would help. Explain why we saw what a generous man he was, how yeah. deeply respected he was by the people that worked for him, um, by the community. We saw that he was a man of God who was following in this this day that it set up for us in the days of the judges, when everyone just did what was right in their own eyes. We saw that this man was someone who was following God's law; that mm-hmm. he was um, practicing this this. Um, this practice of letting the poor and the foreigners and the widows
1: come to his field to just take his grain as a way to provide for them. Right. And he was offering them protection, Mm -hmm. um, which is so unusual at that time as well. They must have felt so safe. Yes. Yes. Well, and safe. I love that you said that because
0: the way that this chapter starts off is that Naomi says that she wants to find rest, for herself, for Ruth, mm-hmm. and and some translations translate the word rest as home, which yeah. I think is a beautiful thing. These are women that are lacking a safe home, a, a stable home right now, and uh, and it just it shows where they are in their life right now that they need rest they yeah. need security they just want to be able to lie down at night with a, a full belly and a safe place to sleep and yeah. and uh, and so that's where Naomi's heart is right now and i think the fact that she's beginning to make a plan to find this home, this rest for her and Ruth, is a really hopeful sign of her healing mm-hmm. and her recovery. We saw in chapter one how she describes herself as being bitter. Right, her life is just, just call me
1: bitter. My it, life is bitter.
0: Yeah, it's just everything's fallen apart. Uh, but n- she no longer seems to be playing the victim anymore.
1: Right, she's ready. Yeah. She's like ready to take that step. She's ready to get Ruth situated. I think she's ready to. Um, see what God has in store. Yes. Um, by claiming this this promise of a kinsman redeemer, I think Naomi is is thinking far more ahead than yes. I think some of us would have. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, she's not just thinking about where's our next meal going to come from. Nope. She's thinking about her family lineage. Yes. So she's thinking about how this is going to affect her long term. Yeah. And Ruth, whom she seems to really like. <laughs> well, and the first part of her plan here
0: now, as we look at chapter three she tells Ruth to wash and dress. Mm -hmm. You know, and now this could be that she wants Ruth to be looking her best for this plan that she has for, for how she's going to meet Boaz this night. But it also could signify that she's telling Ruth You know, it's time for you to take off your mourning Mm -hmm. clothes, your widow's clothes. We don't know, but it might have been that Ruth was still wearing the
1: traditional dress of a widow. She could have. And, you know, we're reading in this, I think it's verse three, where she's telling her to put perfume on. Mm -hmm. Dress in your nicest clothes. Some commentaries I read said this is very bridal. Mm -hmm. Like she's almost dressing for a wedding. Yeah. Um, and, and signifying that she's ready to move forward. Yes, your widow's chapter is
0: ended. It's time mm-hmm. to be done mourning, and it's time to be looking forward to this next chapter, this chapter where she's ready to marry again. Um, She sends Ruth to the threshing floor where Boaz and his men were processing all of the grain that they've just harvested. And now, you know, we we don't have threshing floors here in Rochester.
1: (laughs) I don't think so. I haven't seen any. (laughs) No, I
0: don't think that there are. Um, And so we might not appreciate at first glance that uh, this is kind of a, a bizarre place to meet someone.
1: Kind of a rough crowd. Um just a reminder we're still in the time of judges mm-hmm. where people are doing what they feel is right. Mm-hmm. Um there's not a law in place. Um so this could be a pretty rough crowd. I would imagine after a long harvest season, these are men who are ready to let loose, you know? <laughs> they're ready to to relax and and drink and and find loose women and yeah. they're probably it's probably not the most wholesome place. No Apparently, it wasn't in many cases. Now, there's
0: great evidence in this chapter to suggest that Boaz ran a much tighter ship It does seem that way. than than (laughs) others did. We'll see uh, in verse 14, he was concerned that anyone might think that there was a woman there. So, there probably weren't loose women hanging out at this particular threshing floor. Probably not. So we we think his was much much safer than what was going on there. But we know that even just the idea of the threshing floor was this is the place where they'd brought in all of these sheaves of grain that they'd harvested, and they're separating Mm -hmm. the the actual grain from the chaff yeah and it would be pretty open places because you'd want the wind just to blow the chaff away which would make it the kind of place that was a little bit vulnerable to mm-hmm. attack either from thieves or, or wild animals just yeah. looking for a, a meal which is why Boaz and his men would be sleeping there that night that would make sense they're they're there to protect their harvest and not just have it get <laughs> right taken or <laughs> or eaten up in one night but it also means that it's kind of an open vulnerable place There's for not a, young a lot of woman in the
1: middle of the night yeah right Mm -hmm. not a lot of privacy something i think is interesting too and maybe there's more discussion in here that's not really written is uh ruth's willingness to just obey what naomi says Mm. like she's like you have this harebrained idea (laughs) okay i'll do it yeah (laughs) i'll go to this place at night but i think it's it's again just another sign of ruth's devotion to naomi that naomi would say here's the plan yeah and naomi would say you got it. Yep. I'm in. I'm yep. going to do this for you. But it had to be incredibly scary. Yes, incredibly scary. She had to. I mean, you don't know what to expect.
0: Ruth made and herself very vulnerable in this. Is
1: very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. The things that she's about to do to basically propose marriage yes. is really exposing her yeah. to. I mean, if this goes sideways, this goes bad.
0: Yes absolutely so mm-hmm. let's look at what she did so naomi's bizarre instruction is that she's supposed to go to boaz after he's eaten and and had his fill and he's asleep and she's to lie down and uncover his feet. Uncover his feet or his
1: legs. It depends on... I mean, the commentaries go all over the place, right? Yeah. This is where we start to think this could be really scandalous. Yeah. Um, because it could be in some in some commentaries, the, the term to uncover somebody's feet or legs is very sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I think I that this is very wholesome Mm -hmm. in a marriage proposal Mm -hmm. and saying asking will you cover me under your wings yes under your wings of protection yeah
0: I, I, I agree with you, and, and it, it is important that we acknowledge that commentaries mm-hmm. disagree on exactly what happened here. Some do play into the scandalous side of it a little bit, yeah. um, but, but more of the more contemporary commentaries will suggest that nothing untoward happened that night. That um, that Ruth and Boaz's character is established so firmly right. in this chapter, and if you step back and think about it again in this context, where family lineage was everything Mm -hmm. to try to trick Boaz into getting Ruth pregnant actually would not have accomplished anything at all. It would have only made Ruth that much more of an outcast Uh um, and and even more unqualified than she already was. So there wasn't really any advantage in trying to, you know, elicit some kind of a secret no, pregnancy it seems
1: very out of character Completely. for who we know Ruth and Boaz to be up to this point up to this point and even after even after we'll see. it seems yeah. like wait is like that would just be like taking this story and throwing it in a totally different context yeah. <laughs> it just wouldn't it wouldn't work
0: so the commentaries that that Uphold that standard of Ruth and Boaz's character would suggest that uncovering his feet probably was not intended to be a, a sexual kind of act, but rather it could have even been as simple as he's sleeping. Right. So uncover his feet, he'll get chilly in the middle of the <laughs> night and wake up and he's see. He's going to wake up. <laughs> Which is what happened. We're told at midnight he woke up and he sees her lying there and he's startled. Because uh-huh, again, clearly. like we said, we're not expecting women to be There's in a woman. Boaz's place. <laughs> yeah, and and she she makes this statement that, as you said, Heather, is this basically a proposal. Would you cover me with your yeah. garment, with your wings? And it's an echo of what Boaz praised Ruth for in chapter two, yes. when he praised her for seeking... Protection under the wings of the Lord. Yeah. And now she's saying on a human level. Can I seek protection under your wings. Would you marry me? Play this role
1: of the kinsman redeemer. Right. And so I think his response is, the Lord bless you, my daughter. Mm. We're still seeing some of that language where he's talking as an older man to a younger woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what we're starting to see is not necessarily a sexual attraction between Ruth and Boaz. As much as we're starting to see this mutual respect for Mm -hmm. character Mm -hmm. and direction, Mm -hmm. Um, he's Identified, you are an upstanding woman, a woman who keeps her commitments. Yeah. And she notices the same thing about Boaz. And so I think this is the beginning of a fabulous love story, just not the one that we would have expected.
0: Yes. No, I completely agree. And, you know, he, he makes this interesting comment about, you know, you could have gone after other young men. Mm-hmm. I don't think this was an insecurity thing on Boaz's part no. that he's feeling like an old dried up dude that, you know, <laughs> she could have done better than me. But rather he's, he's pointing out There were plenty of other options for Ruth with other younger men in the community. And there may have
1: been other proposals that she refused. There could have been, but he's praising her for
0: her loyalty Mm -hmm. to Naomi's family, that she's not looking at other options. She wants to stay committed to Naomi and Elimelech's family to be part of of this family, that the the people and the God that she had promised back to, to Naomi in chapter one that she would be devoted to. right. Yeah, it's, right. oh, it's a beautiful thing. It is. So she asks him to, to spread his cloak over here. You know, I can't help but think, don't you love it when your guy puts his jacket over your cold shoulders? Yeah. It just gives <laughs> you this warm feeling like, mm-hmm. oh, he's protecting me. He's providing for me. And uh, it's just kind of a, a sweet, sweet thing that's uh, that's happening here. Yeah. The, the character of Boaz. Um you know, again, we kind of already alluded to this, but the idea that I don't think anything scandalous happened Mm-mm. there that night. When we see his character, I mean, just look at some of this. Like in verse eight, we see he's startled to see a woman there. So this right. <laughs> wouldn't have been like you know there were loose women all over the place, right, and she's a usual, just another one. A
1: usual thing. Yeah.
0: Um, verse ten. You know, the Lord bless you, my daughter, for your your loyalty to this Israelite family. Verse 11, he says, don't fear. Don't you love that? I yeah. mean, of course. Wouldn't you think she'd be afraid? And yet he's seeking to reassure her, to right. make her
1: feel safe. Don't be afraid. I'm going to take care of everything.
0: Yeah. He says, you know, I'm going to honor this because you are a worthy woman. Again, upholding their character, that
1: that he sees her
0: as being a worthy,
1: worthy. It seems that her... um like her reputation precedes her because he says everyone in town seems to know that you're a virtuous woman. Yeah. So I think that's important to know though, because of what happens next and the rest of this and how he works to protect her virtue. Yeah.
0: He's protecting her virtue and his. Now he, he says in verse 12, you know, basically I've got to do this the right way. We're Mm going to make this happen. We're going to see you and Naomi redeemed. We want this, this rest. This home for you we want to take care of your land to take care of you but we have to acknowledge there is someone who is yeah. a closer redeemer someone who would have had kind of first right of refusal yeah um, basically and because boaz is the kind of guy that wants to do this on the up and up he's not going to to cheat his way Mm-mm through this this system and and don't don't we all feel disappointment
1: when he says that like oh a little bit I know but it's right in line with how this whole book is written yeah because it's going to leave us with a hook again yes of uh
0: uh-oh yeah there's someone else what's going to happen right yeah, so this this other redeemer is there, but, but after this night happens and Boaz sends Ruth back home to Naomi, um, interestingly making a strong point of telling her to stay there for the night, to stay safe, but yet yep. leave in the morning before, before anyone would see you because we don't want your reputation right. harmed. We don't want to imply that you've not been um, a, a virtuous woman here. Right. Um, that, but Ruth gets home to Naomi and she reports this, but Naomi says, don't worry. The man won't rest until the matter's done. So we have this bookend. She started off, you know, she's seeking rest for herself and for Ruth, and it ends with the Boaz won't rest until this is done. Yeah. And I just think that's kind of a fun
1: literary bookend. That had to be so exciting. I'm just imagining her sitting there all day, like, what's happening next? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he's there. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if they're talking. You know how it happens when people do, I don't know, I'm the mother of a teenage daughter. So like the anticipation of of hopeful relationships, and I wonder if he heard this. Yeah. I just wonder how much of that is going on, or if she was able to just be like, God's got this.
0: When we have coffee with Ruth in heaven, we'll ask her. I'm going to ask her.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what was that moment like for you? Well,
0: earlier, Heather, you pointed out how when you think of this concept of a kinsman redeemer, you can't help but think of Christ. Yeah. And I love that. And while reading through chapter three quickly might seem like it's a hard chapter to find a parallel to mm-hmm. Christ, when we stop and think about it, I think there's a really beautiful parallel for us and Christ and what it's like when we come to faith. I agree. Because when we come to that place of recognizing we're desperate in our condition here on earth. We're we're lost in our sin. We're not safe. We can't make life perfect for right.
1: ourselves. We're, we're just we're like not them. at rest. Without hope, without mm-hmm. a future mm-hmm. and solely dependent on the kindness yeah. of someone else.
0: And, and coming to faith, we know coming to faith isn't some, something that someone else can do for you. Right. You're not just like automatically granted the status. We come to faith in this personal, vulnerable kind of way when we come to God and we say, I need you, God. Mm-hmm. I need to be redeemed. I need redemption through Jesus Christ. Yep. And to recognize we need. We, we are in that kind of vulnerable state and, and it's an intimate act as we lay ourselves bare before him and we're honest yep. about and we're
1: asking him, cover me with your wings, yeah. you know, yeah. bring me into your protection.
0: That's right. When we say I can't do this on my own, I want you, God, mm-hmm. to protect me, to provide for me, to care for me, to to be my literal savior. Yeah. And and so in a in a really cool way, chapter 3 is a parallel of what it's like for us when we come to faith through our gracious and generous and kind and loving precious redeemer. Yeah. And yet Though he promises redemption right away when we come to faith,
1: we're still living
0: in a waiting period too, aren't we? We
1: are. We're still waiting for the fulfillment of of what it means to be with him forever. Yeah. You know, we're still toiling down here.
0: Yeah. We're kind of like Ruth at <laughs> six in the morning, like, oh, he's going to get around
1: to it, but we're waiting.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're not at the end of the, the happy ending yet. Yeah. Yeah. But well, we I've, have a glimpse and we, we have do. hope. We do. Heather, thanks for talking through chapter three today this has just been oh, an absolute blast It's and been so fun I've loved it it's a it's a, a great chapter and a great book and uh, and I can't wait to do one more week of this series uh, on Ruth There's one more chapter waiting for us and next week we're gonna see how Ruth's waiting period works out yeah and we'll discuss the details of what I'll tell you already if you haven't read it it's a happy ending for Ruth and for Naomi. But even more importantly, we're going to talk a little bit more about that waiting period that we're all in and see how our waiting period will, will end into this happy ending. And as we celebrate the sweetness of Naomi and Ruth's story, we'll celebrate the happy ending that's in store for us as well because of our kind and generous Redeemer.